0: Hello, welcome to Irish Football Fan TV. Delighted to be joined by Sheffield United and Ireland International, John Egan. John, firstly, thanks so much for taking the time out to have a chat. Uh,
1: Not a bother, Paul. How are you keeping?
0: All good, all good. Good to see you.
1: Yeah, good to see you too, bud.
0: How are you keeping under this uh, coronavirus uh, isolation, Harry? I've seen you out with hurls and stuff like that and doing challenges, but how are you keeping?
1: Uh, trying to keep busy. Like we've, um, to be fair to the the club, they've given us programs to work on while we're at home and stuff. So, trying to keep busy doing that stuff and you know talking to people on the phone and back home, watching Netflix. Um, yeah, it's tough, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh just trying to keep the brain occupied, I suppose.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully <clears throat> we'll help you keep the br- the brain occupied and uh, kind of go back to to your early days. Um. I had Darren Randolph on the other day. We kind of went through his career and kind of his upbringing and stuff like that. But do you want to talk us through, obviously, your dad was, you know, a Kerry legend. And you being the son of him, named after him and everything like that. What was that like with your upbringing uh, coming up as his son?
1: Uh, It was fantastic, really. Um, I suppose, coming from Kerry, um, like my, my dad had with the... The kind of football legendary status he had down there, Um I was kind of exposed to to sport at a young age. And you know, I suppose all my summers were spent kind of in Kerry and going to Kerry matches. And you know, you'd see you'd see people pulling in on the side of every road, you know, on the way to a game. You know, wanting to speak to them and stuff. So it was fantastic um, to have that upbringing, really. Um, and I, my mum was a Kerry woman as well, so we used to go at every game um, carry football. We used to go down to Disney and watch So Kerry playing as well in the championship. So it was brilliant. And, uh, you know, anytime I get a chance in the summer and stuff, I go back and I'm still reminded of it. I'll always be his son down there.
0: Yeah, i I seen there's a, there's a lovely statue. Uh, I've seen a picture of your family um, down there. It, it's it's lovely to, to go somewhere like that where, you know, your family is remembered or your father, sorry, is remembered.
1: It's so far. Yeah, it's class. Uh, it's class, yeah. Yeah. Um, Whenever we go down there as a family, or, you know, if few the buddies come down, we're always getting pictures of the statue and stuff. And to see a statue of my dad in name is, is a very proud thing to see. Uh, you know, obviously I wish he was around and I wish he could see it himself. Um, but it's, it's fantastic for us as a family. And, you know, going down there every summer, uh, yeah, it's, it's surreal, really, but it's, it's brilliant.
0: Yeah. It's a lovely tribute to be fair. Um, now, and not a lot of people know this because every time anyone associates you, they always associate you with Kerry. But you, you're actually born and bred in Cork.
1: Yeah, i been born and bred in Cork. Um, lived there up until I moved to England. My dad was a guard in Cork, so he was obviously stationed there, and uh, my mum worked in Cork as well. So uh, yeah, I was kind of going into school with a Kerry jersey on, and everyone else would have their Cork jerseys on, and. It was a bit um, got a bit of stick for it, but uh, anyone ask me where am I from, I just um, I'm, I'm probably a Kerry man raised in Cork.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you have your reasons, I suppose, for uh, yeah. for going around in your in your Kerry top, um, but for you going <laughs> up, was was GAA your number one sport, or was was I suppose we call it soccer here?
1: Um, I'd say early on, probably GAA, yeah. Um, but to be honest i suppose from the age of about 10 or 11 onwards i took kind of G gaelic football football and hurling all kind of similar you know i had them all on a similar level um i wouldn't say i had really a favourite um and then obviously the thing started progressing with the with the soccer football wherever you want to call it uh we call it soccer back home so we call it football uh, gaelic <clears throat> But, uh, yeah, as, as soon as that started prog- progressing, I probably took a little bit of a step back from the GA at about 14 or 15, and obviously ended up moving to England. But, you know, and I still love the GA. Um, You know, I'd love to think that maybe someday in the future I'll go back and, you know, throw the, throw the Bishopstown colours on again for one game with, with the old boys. And, uh, you know, I, I still miss it and I still watch it whenever I can. And, you know, growing up, it was definitely a huge part uh, of my upbringing and my childhood.
0: Yeah, I, I seem to see that with a lot. I know Seamus Coleman is similar with Donegal. I think uh, Shane Long as well. Do you, when you meet up with Ireland, do you chat a lot about GAA and stuff as well?
1: We would, yeah. Uh, we'd have um, the odd chat about it. Um, in the September camps, usually one of the All Ireland's is on around them camps. Um, so we'd all watch the watch the All Ireland. This year I was lucky enough that we didn't meet up until um, the Sunday night. So I got to go to the game, uh, Kerry Dublin, the drawing game. Um, so it was good so I went into the hotel dropped my bags whacked the Kerry jersey on headed to the game and then got a taxi back from the game back to the hotel so um, no it is it is good like to have the banter and stuff you'd have the lads from different counties and that Um, so you would be chatting about it and yeah it's good
0: yeah I was actually with the gaffer the night of the replay uh, over in London they were doing a a supporters club night for uh, the the London branch and Mick was, uh, was, was a special guest that actually Oh was he? Yeah? yeah. Um so just when you, who was your 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 big influence then with soccer because your dad was obviously um GAA w- was he a big influence on that? Uh and I suppose your coaches uh, and what clubs you were playing at?
1: Yeah, he was huge. Um you know, he loved he loved watching me play soccer as much as he loved watching me play in Gaelic football or hurling. Um and probably deep down, he you know he really wanted me to go and play soccer um, out of the tree. So um, he used to come to every game. You know, he used to go kicking around all the time. Um, and obviously, my mum was was a huge influence as well. She actually played a bit of soccer back in the day, believe it or not. She won a, I think she's the League of Ireland medal with Cork Rangers. So she um, she always likes to say that she was the big the big influence in the soccer. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and then I had a couple of a couple of good managers growing up, Darren McGreevy and Pat Holland with uh, the Greenwood team who I played with and you know, learned a lot from them and um you know, Greenwood's a fantastic club located in Toka and uh you know, I played with them since I was six I think I was six when I joined them and you know, sixteen then moved to Sunderland so it was good to to spend ten years there and uh yeah, a lot of a lot of good influences growing up I suppose.
0: Yeah, talk talk me then from the move from uh, Greenwood to to Sunderland. What was the kind of influence behind you going to Sunderland?
1: Um, I was about fourteen, I'd say, when I was you know getting offers to go on trials with a few clubs. Um, fourteen or fifteen, I think it was. Might have been fourteen. Um, I played in the Galway Cup with uh, one of the Ireland development teams, and um. I'd already been on trial to Sunderland and after my first trip there I just knew that I just knew that, that was the kind of place I was gonna go because, you know, I did quite well there and um the lads who I went with on trial were also kind of, you know, gonna sign there and I kind of had friends there already. Um and then after the Galway Cup I went on trial to Blackburn, Leicester and Chelsea um after that tournament and You know, even, even going to them clubs, I just still knew that, you know, I wanted to go to Sunderland, like, and I was, you know, hoping that Sunderland were going to offer me a contract. And, um, I was doing my junior cert then, and a few more clubs started ringing, you know, the house phone and stuff. And, um, my mum would be answering and she'd be kind of saying, look, you can't be going on too many trials. Like, you got the junior cert coming up. You can't be missing the whole year of school. So, um, she said, like, out out of the clubs you've went to, like, you obviously like Sunderland stuff. you know, she was a bit reluctant on me going across before I finished the leaving cert. Um whereas my dad was kinda like, just just go for it. So uh they came to an agreement anyway in the end. Um I went over to Sunderland I think two or three times and then, you know, we came to an agreement on a contract and um they agreed that, you know, they'd sort out the education side of things. It wouldn't be my leaving cert, but it would be the equivalent in England. So um yeah, once all that was kind of tied up, my mum, uh, my mum was happy with it, and we were good to go.
0: Nice. Was Was there any um, Irish lads at the at Sunderland at the time? That might have been in the senior team.
1: Yeah, that the Conor Hourahan was. Um, I think he was two years above me. Um, so when I just went over, when I went over full time, he won't like it you, calling Hurran. Hourahan. There you go. We <laughs> we uh, no, you know what Hurran means, but. Uh, we um yeah, so he was there, Myler was there as well. He just signed from Cork City, I think, the year before I went over. Um and then I think John O'Shea came that summer or the ne- maybe the next summer. But um yeah, within a year or two there was a lot of Irish and in, in my youth team, Patrick McAlinny, uh me and him went over at the same time and then you had Liam Bagnell, who's from Northern Ireland, and Jordan Watson. Uh so we had kind of a little click like already moving over so it was it was brilliant for all of us really because we did um we did a lot together and you know it helped helped me settle in from day one anyway and i'm sure it helped the lads too
0: was james talbot there as well
1: yeah talbot would have came probably in my third or fourth year there um i think that's when talbot came himself and dan casey came over so oh yeah yeah so to be fair to sunderland like there was always a few irish around uh so it was it was a great place to be, and you know from the minute I went there to the minute I left, I, I loved every minute of it. And you know, obviously there was frustrating times kind of towards the end, not getting it looking and stuff. But you know, I I learned a lot from Kevin Ball, the youth team manager, and you know, if it wasn't for Sunderland, I wouldn't be where where I am today, I suppose.
0: Yeah, well, just kind of going from that from from Sunderland, <clears throat> you had a couple of loan moves and stuff like that. So I suppose taught me from Sunderland to where you are now, I suppose. Um, uh, club wise
1: so my first loan move was January 2012 so 8 years ago now um, we had a reserve game with Sunderland down in Arsenal we played Arsenal away and we had a good reserve team that year um, yeah we had a few really good players and Arsenal put a good team out on the day they had like Chamberlain and a few others playing I can't remember if they did a handy team out and uh we beat them two 0 and we played played really well. Um, and I remember I was on the bus after the game back up to Sunderland and Stephen Clemens, who was the assistant, he just came down to me in the bus and said, "Look, there was a Crystal Palace were there watching the game today. Um, you know, I don't I don't think they were like there to watch you or whatever, but they're really impressed with you and they want you to go on. Loan. Um, he said like, look, they've got a they've got a fixture congestion. Um, in January because they're in the cup semi final, so they're you know, they want to be able to rotate the team. So he he just said, look, you're guaranteed two games um, and then you'll be kind of back up for the rest of the games. And, you know, I was just thinking to myself, kind of want to play, you know, every week. But if if I'm guaranteed two games at um, a championship level, um, then, you know, I'll speak to their manager about it and see what he says. So I rang um, Dougie Friedman, who's manager at the time, and he just explained the whole thing to me um, and said, look, I'd love to have you down here for a month and stuff, play a couple of games, just to ex- give you your first exposure to senior football, and it was all good. Martin O'Neill agreed with it, and you know it was it was good for me to to go down there and um spent the month down there, played a couple of games, you know, and kind of it, it was probably then when I realised you know I can you know I can cope at at this level anyway, and you know what age were you then, John? I so. oh, just turned nineteen, so okay, I turned nineteen him. in the October. And then I'd kind of been in a couple of Steve Bruce's last squads before he got sacked. I think he got sacked around November time. And then um, kind of that January, um, I went on loan then to, to Palace.
0: Okay. And how, how did the loan to Palace go? Um,
1: it was it was good, but obviously I wanted more games. But I knew before I went there, I wasn't going to play um, play every week. So I played two games. Um, the first game was an FA Cup game against Derby. We lost 1-0. And then the second game I played was Blackpool away in the championship. And I think we lost last minute 2-1 to Blackpool. Um, but I felt like I did quite well in the games. And, you know, I was happy. And it kind of got to the end of the month. And I remember meeting Dougie Friedman. And he said, like, you just said, look, I'd love you to stay here, as but you'll be his backup. Um, you know, I, I've got two centre-halves and I can't guarantee that, that you're going to play many games. So... You know, if you want to go, go back to Sunderland and and train there or go somewhere else and get more games, then, um, you know, that's, uh, that's your decision. But, you know, I'm, I'm being really happy with you and stuff. So, you know, it was good to hear that, but I just thought to myself, if I'm, if I'm just going to be kind of training and stuff and not play many games, I'm I'm better off probably going back to Sunderland and training there.
0: Yeah. And, and so what happened when you went back to Sunderland then? Were you, were you getting in there or did you go out on loan again?
1: Um, I went back. The February and I was just playing reserve games enjoying it kind of training with the first team you know I was kind of still new to that um you know training with them a lot um but there was kind of there wasn't really any you know opportunities there so you know I didn't really hadn't really kind of had my heart set in anything I was just happy to be training and you know just playing reserve games doing well and and then I remember one day I got a phone call um about Sheffield United, uh, my reserve manager rang me. He said, "Look, Sheffield United, um, they want you down there ASAP. They've got a game tomorrow." And I was, I was a bit kind of touchy about it at first because I kind of, you know, it seemed a bit last minute. Um, but anyway, um, I ended up going down there. Um, probably looking back, it was probably a bit rash. But um, you know, I was, it was kind of at the time what I thought I had to do, and I ended up going down there playing a game, and then kind of realized a couple days after that two of their centre-halves one of them was suspended and one of them was carrying an injury so I was kind of thinking I'm in the same boat here as Palace um you know just going to be training as backup and stuff and I was I was a bit disappointed at that because I'd spoken to their manager at the time Danny Wilson and he kind of said like if you come down and you know you impress me you're playing stuff but I you know it's football like people tell you what what you want to hear and you know, I think at that time it would have probably been better if 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 I gone somewhere that you know I was going to play play more games. But you know, you live and you learn. Um, so I'm you're probably desperate now, to play Sheffields there, really? Now, ah, yeah, you're desperate to play anywhere, um, especially after the month of Palace. You know, I'd gotten a taste taste for it, and I just wanted to get out and play games. And you know, it's um it's funny how uh, you know, Sheffield United. I suppose I was kind of cursing it a bit for a few years after I left and then I ended up coming back here and you know having the having the times we've had here so it's uh it's a funny one. It's funny how football works like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy, yeah, it's crazy. It's good though.
0: Yeah, so after after the Sheffield United move, um well what was the situation with yourself then?
1: Um so I just went back to Sunderland um for the end of the season. Um again playing reserve games. And then unfortunately my father passed away in April of that year. So, um, you know, that was devastating. Um, I ended up going home for two or three weeks at the time, you know, for funeral and stuff and, and being at home. And, and then just before the end of the season, you know, I just kind of made the decision with the family that I'd go back for a few weeks till the end of the season and just kind of get back to a routine, I suppose. And, um, yeah. Get the head right. How that season panned out. Get the head right. Yeah. Cause your head would be messed up and stuff. So, um, Came back and, you know, played a few games. Um, it was a tough time, to be fair, really tough. But um, I ended up getting my first Ireland Under-21 call up then that summer for the June games, the May and June games. So, I suppose, in a way, for me, it was it was keeping busy and kind of, you know, it was, it was helping me a bit at the time, I suppose. Um, but, you know, it was still a very hard time for myself and my family.
0: Yeah, I I know from losing my father and myself, how, how hard it can be. Obviously, you do need something to keep you. You know, I suppose, taking over or something, keeping your mind uh, busy, because obviously you can get into a bit of a rut, you know?
1: Yeah, 100%, yeah. And I think that's probably kind of the, the reason why I decided to just, you know, get on with life as, as quick as possible, really, even though it was tough.
0: Yeah, well, just kind of from th- that summer then, was leading into the next season, were you still at Sunderland or did you did you move away that summer?
1: Um, I was still at Sunderland that summer so I did pre-season with the first team um, and then in November. What what year
0: is this John uh, sorry?
1: This is 2012. Okay 2012 yeah so I was kind of you know the first couple of games in the Premier League and stuff I was traveling to the games you know sitting in the stands kind of 19th man and playing reserve games and stuff and then it got to kind of October and I just, you know, realised it's it's going to be very difficult to, to get a game and, you know, I, I do, I've had a taste of going alone and playing, you know, I want to go somewhere where, where I'm going to play so um I had a chat with uh, Martin O'Neill, who was the manager at the time and said like, look, I think, think I need to get some games and he agreed, he said like, look, go till January and, you know, get as many games in as you can so... I went to Bradford who were doing well in League Two at the time and they were in the quarter final at a cup, I think against Arsenal it was, the year they got to the cup final. So um ended up going alone there in the November and the first two or three games I was loving life, you know, they've great stadium, you know, especially for that level they were getting, you know, over fifteen thousand every week. They were doing well, um, a few good players and stuff, so you know, I fitted right in and And then in the fourth game, um, you know, I went up for a header after about 12 minutes and came down and broke my leg. Um, so it was, um, it it was just like things were starting to, you know, click in, click into gear. And, you know, then that happened and I'm just thinking what's happening to this year? Like everything just seems to be going south. So, um, that was, uh, that was a tough one to take. But
0: you, you, you must have a very strong mentality because you obviously you bounce back from your father's pass and then you obviously bounce back from the leg break. So um, did you have someone kind of helping you out to be that backbone for you like during the, those tough times?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, when I broke my leg, um, the first thought in my head on the pitch was like, this is it like I could be done here you know you're looking down at your leg and you see it in half and you're like whoa like how am I ever going to walk again Um, never mind play football but then my mum came over she came over then I was in Darlington Hospital because I did my operation and I did all my rehab with the Sunderland um, physios and you know the Sunderland medical team so I I was based up there for my operation and you know to be fair for mum she came over for weeks on end um, at the start just doing the cooking and stuff and um. Nothing like an Irish and, mammy. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'd say I put I put a bit of body fat on. I'd say with a few sausages and uh, rations every morning. But um, no, the first couple of weeks, especially when I couldn't really do anything, she was great. And uh, yeah, look, it was a it was a long enough road back uh, from that. But um, you know, I'm I'm happy to say I got over that and uh, you know managed to get back playing. When
0: you when you got back then, because um, you were at loan at Bradford, am I right in saying that? Yeah. So you came back to Sunderland, was it again? Obviously, you were going through your rehab and and whatnot.
1: Yeah, yeah, I came back to Sunderland and I did my rehab um, with Dave Binningsley, who was kind of the main physio who took it. Uh, He was brilliant, you know, he's a really good friend to this day. And I think I started my rehab that kind of November, December, and I was back on the pitch for the reserves the following September. So I think I had about four operations. Um I had a couple of operations early on and then like the screws weren't or the, the bone wasn't quite healing Like I, I was expected to be back in kind of June July time, but, you know, I came to May and I was out trying to run and it was still sore and went for an X ray they said it wasn't healing properly so they had to do another operation. Um so that kinda of set me back a few months and then I got back playing I suppose October wise I was back training and, and playing games for the reserve so it was um roughly a year probably a year till I kind of got back to feeling anyway, like myself. And how
0: was that like, so for for example, for anyone, I suppose, young lads who are, who have broken their leg or anything, would you have any advice for them for, um, you know, getting back to rehab or just keeping their heads straight during that time? Cause it can be, I can imagine it can be a very demoralizing time.
1: Yeah, it's very, very demoralizing, especially when you know at the start, you're going to be up for a long time. Um, the way I did it really was just set small goals like um something simple as, you know, trying to bend your knee a little bit more, you know, every every week or two. Um you know, maybe in three weeks I'll be able to to, to walk or to run. Um, things like that. Setting small goals. Um and just trying to just trying to keep positive. Um just keep thinking every day that, you know, you'll get back to what you were before and You know, if 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 anyone is unfortunate for for anything like that to happen, then then just you know just stay positive and keep setting small goals for yourself.
0: It's obviously good to have a good kind of infrastructure around you as well, as you say, your your mum or your family or partner or something. It's always good to have around. Um, but going on from there, um, when you got back playing, what was the first game back like for yourself?
1: Were you buzzing? yeah, it was buzzing, but I, it was quite weird like I just, you know, you're kind of it's your first game in a long time and you know, even the leg kind of isn't used to it and um it's uh it's a bit weird. You you kind of flying for the first 10 minutes and then you hit a brick wall and you're blowing then till half time and then you come out after half time and you know, you're kind of you you know you're only playing till 60 minutes or whatever, so you you're just getting through it, but probably took about three or four days to get the the stiffness out of the body after that one. Um but uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a good couple of months training, kind of before I, I played kind of ninety minutes and stuff. So I was, I was, took me about, I'd say, it took me about three months of games probably to kind of get back to feeling how I used to feel. Would
0: you be a bit hesitant for tackles? Because you're, you're, you're kind of known for a bit, kind of throwing your body on the line for challenges and stuff like that. I, wouldn't imagine you were doing that the first game back, were you?
1: Um, I don't know, it didn't really click into my head because when I when I um had the operation they put a metal rod into it and the surgeon said like your leg is stronger now than it'll ever be like it's got a metal rod in it so I think that just stuck with me like and I just felt like I had a I had a metal leg so um you know I was just <laughs> back to back to use so throw my body in front of everything.
0: Yeah, well, as good defenders do. Um talk me then, going on from that, uh you still you're still at Sunderland at this stage?
1: Uh still at Sunderland. Yeah, um, went on loan to South End in the February two thousand and fourteen, um, and you know that was that was an unbelievable uh, loan move for me because I, you know, I hadn't played a played a proper game since the time at Bradford, which was November twenty twelve. So it was kind of a year and a half later, going on loan to South End who were you know fighting for the playoffs in League Two. Um, uh, Phil Brown was the manager at the time. And um, I went down there, uh, did really well. We got to the playoffs. Uh, we lost the semi final to Burton. Um, but, you know, I played 15 odd games. Um, and I think that's when I kind of started feeling like I was getting, you know, really getting back to myself.
0: Yeah. So you'd have been, what, 21? Uh,
1: 21, yeah. I was 21 at the time. Um and then towards the end of the South End loan spell, um, I got a call from uh, the Sunderland um, kind of reserve team manager saying, you know, I think the manager at the time was Gus Pyatt. And since I came back um, from the broken leg, I hadn't trained with the first team once. So I kind of knew, you know, my contract was coming up. I knew it wasn't going to be extended. So I got a call saying, look, your contract's not going to be extended. Um, You know, if you want to start talking to other clubs or, you know, sign for someone else, then... You know you're free to do so, and at the time, you know I was kind of thinking, you know, um, obviously you're a bit gutted, like you're thinking, oh, I want to want to break into Sunderland's team, but you know at the time I just I just thought, look, I'll show them, and um, I'm confident I can I can get where I want to get, and you know I um, spoke to my agent and stuff, and in the summer then I ended up signing for Gillingham um, on a two-year deal, so it's you know it was it was kind of a quick a quick transition really. Did you find that
0: difficult? Because obviously you were at Sunderland from I think you said fourteen. Um, so was that was that difficult? Because obviously you were with them. Um, I don't know what's that eight years or or something I moved. Like that.
1: I, um, I, moved, I, I, moved I moved. over at sixteen. Six so I was there from I was there from two thousand nine to two thousand fourteen. So five years. Oh five.
0: Okay. All right. So moving on f- from uh, from Gillingham then, or sorry to Gillingham. Um, how was that move for you? It's nice to be at a club uh, that I brilliant. suppose, wanted
1: you, was it? Ah, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, Peter Taylor was the manager, and look, I just went down to meet him in the summer, and he said, um, he said, look, I I really like you as a player. Um, you know, if if you do well, you'll play every game for me. Um, you know, I have a lot of belief in you, and you know, I I see you doing doing very well here, and. Um, I'd love you to sign. Um, so basically, I I had a couple of meetings with other clubs, kind of lined up, but I I just had a good feeling after the the meeting, and I just said to my agent, like, yeah, I want to sign here. If I'm gonna play, um, then I, I know I'll impress people. So, you know, get it done. So basically, signed a two-year deal, and the next day I was training.
0: Yeah, you see, you seem to have a really good mentality in that regard. Like, I, I I'd say. A lot of players probably would have went the other way and kind of been like sulked the fact that they were gonna let go of a club or whatever. But from what you're saying to me here now, it seems like you're the polar opposite, whereas you have that mentality as if to say, right, well, you don't think I'm good enough, I'm gonna gonna show
1: you. Yeah. Um I suppose it just comes from having belief in yourself. Um you know, I have always had belief in myself. I've always um you know, thought that uh, I can do well and you know, going to Gillingham, people who are kinda even kinda my friends and stuff probably thought it was a, a step back but, you know, I saw it as a huge step forward. Um I was going from kinda playing playing reserve games in in at Sunderland to obviously I got went on loan to South End, but then you know, I was moving up a league again to League One, um, to you know, a decent club in League One and I was I seen it as a big step forward and a chance to, to try and start proving myself week in, week out and you know, that's that's what happened.
0: And how did your time at Illingham go?
1: Oh, it was fantastic. Um first year we I think we finished mid table. Uh, Peter Taylor got sacked in December and Justin Edinburgh came in, um, Lord Mercian. Um he came in, in, in the January and we were a brilliant into the season and then we kinda took that form into the following season and um we we we, think we were we top two, top three for the whole whole season up until February and we had a few injuries that kind of, that hampered us. Um, and we filtered out. And by the time the injuries kind of came, came at a really bad time. Um, you know, we were struggling for form and we slipped out of the playoffs altogether. But, you know, the, the two years, especially the second year was, was brilliant because we were winning, winning more games than, than not in the second year. And, you know, I made some great friends there and, um, obviously got my move to Brentford off the back of it. Yeah. Eh, uh,
0: what was the, what was it like going from Gillingham then when you sad to leave them to go to Brentford?
1: Um, yeah, look, it's it's always hard. Leaving a place, you build up a connection with the fans and stuff. But um, I was more excited about, about joining Brentford, I suppose, um, because it was, you know, in the Championship, um, you know, really well-run club. Um, you know, good players, good manager. Um, you know, another test, you know, another step in the ladder. And, um, you know, I was and I was really happy to that they came in for me and you know, really happy to sign for them. But it was always it was always sad leaving Gillingham too because you know I captained the team a lot in my second year and I had a good relationship with the fans and, and the manager. So um yeah, it was it was kind of a bit of boat really, but I was you know, I was really excited to join Brentford.
0: Yeah, was Scott Hogan at uh, Brentford at the time you joined?
1: Yeah, he was there, yeah. He was in my first season at Brentford he was flying. Um and that's when he got his move to Villa then in the January. So uh, yeah, he was he was banging them in for the first few months when I was there.
0: Yeah, you actually well you've you've been teammates with him again since obviously last season. Um great to see him flying yeah. again. Oh yeah. Uh, so talk to me about uh Brentford and you know, signing for them. You were saying there about the, the structure and the setup was, was fantastic. So um talk to me about your time
1: there. I had a really good two years at Brentford. Um my first year, obviously signed um, under Dean Smith, um, you know, who, who put a good bit of faith in me at the start. Um, you know, I came in and, and started the, the majority of the league games in, in my first season there. And, you know, we Brentford are kind of renowned for having really, really good attacking players and stuff. So it was for me going in there um, seeing how technical the, the players were, you know, brought me on heaps and bounds. Um You know, as a team that wants to wants to play football, play out from the back and, you know, play play um play kind of the the way kinda Man City and stuff play. It's a team that kinda tries to to play good football. So for me, um it improved me a lot. Um Dean Smith, you know, he he's a good coach and a good manager and you know, used to be a centre half himself, so he he brought me on heaps and bones and um, you know, I can't I can't talk highly enough of Brentford the way the the way they run the club, the players they sign. Um you know they sign really good players with really good um you know technical ability and you know you can see their their success in the transfer market the uh, they buy players in for kind of cheap and and then they sell them on for millions so um yeah it's it's brilliant what they've done and you know what what they're still doing to be fair and you know i, I became captain in my second season um, which was which was a big honor and um yeah it was a fantastic club
0: so what was it like that was that your first club you were a captain? at?
1: Yeah, first club I was um, made captain at, so it was was brilliant. Um, We had a really good captain in my first year, Harley Dean, and he moved to Birmingham um, in the summer of 2017. So, um, you know, um, the manager pulled me and said, look, I'd like you to be captain this year. You know, it was was great. You know, it was a great boost for myself and, you know, to, to be thought of like that was brilliant. And, you know, we, I think we finished ninth at the end of the season, so we were kind of maybe six or seven points off the playoffs um, and uh, we didn't quite make the playoffs you know we had a good team and you know we had some good players who, you know, who have kicked on since
0: Yeah was was this the first season or the second season that you're
1: That was the second season
0: Oh sorry so you got the move to Sheffield United off the back of that season
1: Yeah so in um, in the summer um, Sheffield United obviously came in for me and you know took took a while to get done. Obviously, Brentford were you know, mad keen to sell me at the time, and I suppose just seeing the belief that kind of I heard Sheffield United want me, you know, desperately kind of made me made me want to make the move. And you know, I knew how good Sheffield United were, um, from the previous season playing against them, um, they were the toughest team that I played against that season. And you know, as soon as I knew that they were mad for me, um, you know, kind of you know, turned my head a bit, and you know, I was obviously delighted to to get the move done in the end.
0: Was it, were you a bit hesitant because I know you'd been there before?
1: Um, no, not in that sense. Um, I suppose it was kind of tough leaving Brentford. Somewhere you're a captain, you get on with everyone. You know you have a lot of friends, and um, you know you're you're really enjoying it. You know, really, really like living in London and stuff. And but I think you know, and for me, um, football wise, um, you know, I just I just had a good feeling about it. Um, you know, know the the manager, you know, Chris Wilder, when when he when he came in for me, you know, I could just kind of tell that, you know, they they really wanted me, and um, you know, that's as a footballer, that's all you want to do, you know, you want to go somewhere where you're wanted and valued, and you know, somebody's gonna believe in you as much as you believe in yourself, and you know, I just felt like um, I felt like I, I had that, and you know, that's why I kind of was mad to get the move done.
0: Yeah, well, you were, you were um the record signing there, weren't you? Because I actually met you that summer uh, yeah, in you Bramble met. Lane you yeah, were,
1: you were you. in the hotel yeah I met you a few weeks after yeah with Noel the back ballers. yeah shout out shout out to Noel uh, shout out Noel but, Marshall uh, yeah <laughs> yeah get the back ballers in but um, yeah I showed you a good show that day that was probably a few weeks after I signed there so I was still living in the hotel um, but uh, yeah what a season man the, the first season there was just yeah talk, really, me, talk, talk to
0: me through it the whole way through it talk to me because I know you love talking well,
1: we about got... Oh, yeah. We got off to a horrendous start. Um, lost to Swansea in my first game. And then in my second game, we lost 3 nil away to Middlesbrough. And I think everybody in Sheffield was trying to dig out the the receipt from uh, the purchase of John Egan, I'd say, to, to try and send them back to Brent first. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, we uh, we got it together then and we won the next four or five games. Um and, yeah, I just had a, I don't know, we played into Milan in the pre-season and we did quite well against them. We drew 1-1. And I just remember thinking, you know, this we have a good team. Like, you know, Didzi signed and, yeah, we just, I just felt like things were coming together. And then after the first couple of games, we signed Ollie Norwood and his quality was just so evident the minute he walked into the place, just lifted the whole place. Um, and, yeah, the team just started clicking into gear and, you know, we we I think we we're top of the league in October, we were on the top the whole season and you know, then we kind of ended up hunting down leads after Christmas. We we fell out of the top two and hunted them down and yeah, it was just the the season of dreams really. Um could not have gone any better and you know, probably couldn't have done it with a better bunch of lads as well. The team is so close there and all the lads are, are just as close off the pitch as they are on it and I think that shows because, you know, we we fight for each other.
0: Yeah, I, I, when did Endis sign? Did he sign the same summer as you?
1: I think he signed the summer before me. I think he was there a year before I was there. Because um, we played Sheffield United my first game of that season with Brentford. I think that was his first game for Sheffield United. So he was there a year before me. Oh,
0: OK. I, I, I for some reason, thought that yous were there. I um, just came the summer together. But uh, you, yeah. obviously, coming to the back end... Scott Hogan came in January, so you had obviously an Irish uh, teammate with Enda and you had uh, Didsy as well. That mm-hmm. must have been nice, obviously, having all the lads there. And then you would have been in in and out of squads then as well, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, it was class. Um, you know, having the Irish boys there and stuff, and then we'd, we'd go in, we'd all go in together, kind of meeting up with the Ireland team together. So we had our little kind of blades and click. Uh, it was funny. But uh, yeah, it was it was a highly um, tense time this time last year. Uh, playing, you know, playing every week as if your life depends on it because you know it was kind of Norwich were kind of ahead of us in Leeds and it was like one week we'd we'd win and Leeds would lose and then the next week Leeds would win and we'd lose and it was kind of back and forth for ages. Um, so we had uh, myself and then we had a few tense kind of coffees and stuff they had there and the had mornings. The odd Monday mornings after a game on a Saturday, um just absolutely stressed out of our heads, uh, for about two or three months. Um so it's, it's funny to look back on it now, but you know, at the time when you kind of lose a game and they win one, you think it's, it's the end of the world. Um but then you win one and, and they lose one and you're thinking, oh, we're, you know, we're back on track. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was fantastic to, to get the job done in the end and, you know, to go up automatically was brilliant because, uh, you know, we, we worked so hard for it.
0: Yeah, the celebrations look look quality and obviously that video uh, that you got started uh went viral. Um <laughs> yeah. What was what was the maker behind it? Obviously we know the uh the Ale song, but uh, it was very well thought, I I thought. And very catchy as well.
1: Yeah, I remember I was watching uh I was watching a video on my phone, I think that January. And, um I think it was the trench cup, some team from from, I don't know where they were from, might have been from Northern Ireland or something, and they won the Trench Cup, and I remember seeing they sang an LA, LA, LA song on the bus, but they, they'd obviously made the words about their team, i seen it on Twitter or something, I remember saying to my girlfriend, they said, like, I'm going to make a song here, like, 'Cause because, you know, I think we're going to go up this season, and um, I'm going to make a song about about the boys, like, and she was kind of saying... Kind of looked at me and laughed and thought nothing of it so then um obviously in my head i thought about it in about 10 or 20 minutes like i had it all made up and this was like january and i was over at my friend's house then in the in the march i think it was and um i was having a couple of drinks with him in his gaff um with dinner or whatever and uh we were just chatting away and then i remember i sang it to him for banter like um <laughs> and he was like oh my god you gotta sing that whatever so thought nothing of it again obviously worried about getting up and then we actually got promoted and we were at the player of the year do and um, obviously highly intoxicated we got promoted the day before so <laughs> we were uh, we were uh, we were on the beer kind of all day um after the Villa Leeds game which meant that we were up so we were in the stadium all day having a few points or whatever and uh. That night at the I the was sitting next to George Baldock, so I um I quickly taught him like and then uh you know, got ushered onto the stage. he you know, he went up onto the stage and called me up and stuff, so I went up. I called everyone up and then uh obviously belted it out and the next morning I remember just like flipping over my phone to see what time it was and the thing was about to blow up, there was just messages everywhere and I just remember turning it over and putting my putting the quilt <laughs> over my head thinking, What have I done here? like getting the those flashbacks. Yeah, getting the fear massively, but no, it was it went absolutely viral. Then we played Stoke the following weekend, and for the whole game, the fans just sang it. Uh, it was the last game of the season, and it was mental how how quick it took off. Really, but um, nah, it's it's great to have that memory now. You know, the day you might be thinking about the the promotion, you just flick back to YouTube and type it in, and it's funny to look back at. It's
0: quality though. Well, well thought of. So fair play to you for that. Uh,
1: yeah, it was good. It was good.
0: Um. Well, before we talk about obviously the Premier League, I wanted to talk to you about Ireland. Um, because I think Mick came in, Mick McCarthy, uh, November a year, a year and a, a couple of months ago. Um, I remember I was over at the the Wales game where we lost four one. You were on the bench. Um, you had number ten for some reason. What was that? We won't go into the results. <laughs> But well, what
1: was the number yeah. 10 about? Was that any particular reason? Uh, I don't have a clue. Um, Dick Redmond, the kit man, is responsible for that. Uh, I remember I wore the number 10 against Poland. And um, it's uh, I it was playing centre half wearing the number 10. But looking at it now, it's really cool to have the, the number 10 upstairs, like tucked away. Because, you know, you grew up with Ireland and, you know, you're seeing Robbie Keane in the number 10, and you're thinking, jeez, I'd love to wear that number 10 someday. And, Obviously, being a centre half, you never think it's it's going to happen, but you know it was, was it was weird to get it, but it was funny at the same time. When I've got a few, um, when I was on the bench and didn't get on, I was number ten a few times, like you said in that game. But it was funny then because I said to I said to Dick the Kit Man, I remember uh, there was a game coming up and it was after I'd worn the ten, and I said like, look, Dick, like I'm a centre half, Do you know, don't don't make me like change the number ten, give number ten to to like a striker or something like that. And, William uh, Gallas so he said yeah so he said that's fine that's fine so he went to anyway and he came I remember I'll never forget he came down the corridor and he said oh, don't worry I've got the number sorted for you and I goes oh really what number am I now and he goes you're number 7 dead serious and I was like yeah, are you serious <laughs> yeah? you just changed me from a number 10 to a right winger and I was sent a half like I was saying to him, give, me number five, give me number 20 or something Um, but it was funny like I think uh I think Robbie Brady.
0: Did
1: you wear? Did you wear time, seven? I'm. Like, I do not know. I don't know if he changed it again to 15 or something after that because I said look 14 or 15 or something like just <laughs> give me a give me a number where people aren't going to fall off their seat if they see me wearing it just for banter, like because Robbie was Robbie would have been injured at the time and he's usually number 10. Um, Robbie Brady, yeah. I think he got yeah. And I, I'm sure Duffy wore the seven one time and I think mad numbers got thrown around. He yeah, did. He so did like, wear number seven. And, uh, I
0: think. Oh, when did, I think he wore it in qualifying? Yeah, yeah it, it was goes, some, some yeah, horrendous. Because I remember uh, he said
1: it to me. I remember, yeah, he, said I remember. It to me. he said I when I was wearing a ten. I remember he said it to me. I wore a seven before, and I was thinking <laughs> something going wrong here with the numbers. But it was it's funny to look back on it now. Yeah, bending in free kicks and all that. Yeah, <laughs> I think they were expecting me to do a few step overs as soon as they put the ten on and start dribbling, dribbling around the place. But uh it nah. <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> Well, just kind of talk to me about
0: the campaign. Obviously, um, circumstances with Richard Gough meant that you came in. But I felt as though you took your chance. And I'd say now, between yourself and Shane Duffy, you're you're probably the the go-to centre-backs now. Um, So what was it like? Because obviously, we're after going through your career so far, you had injuries, you had all this kind of setbacks. Did you ever think that you were going to get to that level of Premier League and, you know, First choice Ireland centre back. You might not say it, but I'm gonna say. It.
1: Um, I think out of pure stubbornness, you know, I, I, you know, I always had the belief that I would kind of do well, and you know, they were my goals. Um, you know, I'm not gonna shirk away from that. They were kind of your two biggest goals: is to play for your country and to play in the Premier League. And um, you know, to there's a lot of people in Ireland who would give their right hand, you know, just to play one minute for the for the national team, and. You know, anytime you're kind of called up to the Ireland team, it's it's kind of a proud moment to see your name in the squad and, um, you know, to go and meet up with the lads. It's it's brilliant. And, you know, my first squad was in 2017. And, um, you know, ever since kind of my first squad, I've been in a few squads now. And, you know, every time I've gone away, I've loved it. And, um, Obviously, it's a lot better when, when you're playing. But, you know, sometimes you've got to bide your time. And lucky enough, I got, you know, kind of bided my time and got to play a few friendlies and then got to to start my first qualifier against George and um you know it wasn't to be against uh, Switzerland and Denmark but we were obviously looking forward to the, the playoffs this this week but you know the whenever they're on you know I just can't wait to to get back to it really and meet up the lads again.
0: Yeah, what's what's Mick been like with you? Because obviously he was a centre back as well and you've you've spoken about having centre halves as manager, but what was he like with you? Yeah, uh, he seems to really like you.
1: Yeah, he's been good. Um, you know, it's uh, he made me captain for the Bulgaria game, which was, you know, brilliant for me, a huge honour and, you know, um, got a lot to thank him for that and, you know, then, you know, threw me in against, uh, you know, Georgia, Switzerland and Denmark and, you know, I think uh, it's good to earn the trust of a manager and, you know, I've kind of been biding my time all year, you know, just hoping I get a chance and, you know, hopefully know that uh, you know, I've took it and I can I can keep taking keep taking my chances when I get them.
0: Well you have for me in, in road to glory to be fair, you've got me to the final so far, so yeah. keep up the good work in that regard.
1: Uh hopefully we'll win it.
0: Hopefully, hopefully. Um but just on, on uh obviously we've gone through the campaign, but you know, people
1: a lot of people
0: um are very excited with the youth coming through. Now you would have trained with uh, Troy uh, Michael Obafemi, Aaron Connolly, uh Leo Connor as well. Um what are your thoughts on the kind of the younger lads coming through? Do you think that maybe I know the Euros are going to be pushed back uh a year but do you think some of those boys might be able to make the jump up some of them are playing championship football now obviously you were playing that last year. Um but have you been impressed by the majority of them?
1: Yeah, there's there seems to be fantastic talent coming through at the moment. Um and it's brilliant it's brilliant for the country um and it's brilliant for the lads themselves but you know football is uh you know it's 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 a tale of the unexpected and you know who knows what might happen 12 months is a long time in football um so yeah i'm sure them lads will be you know trying to kick on in their own careers and you know trying to to keep playing and keep playing well and you know the main thing is is you know if if we've got good players coming through then it's brilliant for the country it's brilliant for the team and you know, it's brilliant for the competition, for the squads, and and the starting eleven. So, yeah, um, it's fantastic to see such such good players coming through now, and you know, hopefully they can keep getting better and keep kicking on.
0: Yeah, um, speaking of uh youth, and that you've recently started your own academy. So, how is how did that come about, and uh, how is that going?
1: uh basically my old club greenwood um in talker they in cork they uh they just came to me with the idea they said look we we kind of want to revamp the whole academy like and we'd love to to put it under your name as obviously you spent a long time here and you know are, are you okay with that are you okay to jump on board and i said yeah look that's that's brilliant uh you know it's brilliant for me to to be able to try and give a bit back to the young lads from where i'm from and you know, I haven't been able to make it make it back for a session yet because it only started in September. But you know, I've got a couple of buddies helping out with the coaching. You know, doing coaching every Monday night, and you know, it's it's, it's class to to go back and see. You know, there be eighty, a hundred odd kids some nights up there. You know, kicking ball, and you know, it's um it's weird in a way because you're kind of thinking I was that kid there about you know twelve or thirteen, I suppose sixteen years ago, and. Um. Now there's kids, you know, wearing a Greenwood badge with the John Egan Academy signing around it. So it's uh, it's a bit surreal. But uh, no, it's good. And you know, anytime I can go back and you know, give a bit back to Greenwood and give a bit back to the community, then it's it's brilliant.
0: And for anyone watching, uh, looking to join your academy, how would they go about doing it? Because we'll put some links in there for you.
1: Basically, just get in touch with um Greenwood. Um, they have a Facebook page. They have an Instagram page. Um kind of just about the John Egan Academy really and you know if anyone fancies it it's usually on Monday nights um, up in uh, the Bears GA club on, on the Astro and um, yeah it's, it's fantastic It's it's got great feedback so far and you know the kids love it which is the main thing and you know hopefully we can uh, you know we can keep it going now and you know hopefully it can it can get better and better
0: Yeah speaking of that uh, getting better and better talk to me about this season with Sheffield United it's um did you expect it to go so well? I think you, I think only Liverpool and Burnley have more clean sheets than you this season. Am I right in saying that?
1: Yeah, no, it's gone, um, it's gone brilliant so far. Obviously, it's it's called to a halt now, but we were quite confident. But we we're kind of going into the unknown at the start of the season. But we we've seemed to take to it really well, and I think after about five or six games, we really started taking the handbrake off and playing like we kind of played in the Championship and going after teams after kind of a tentative first five games where we're kind of feeling feeling the division out um but you know every player has kicked on and every player has improved and brought their game to to new heights and it definitely shows on the pitch um you know we've been more than a match for for any team well most teams in the league so far and um the clean sheet record is one i'm really proud of because as a defender clean sheets are your bread and butter and you know, to be two points off fifth with a game in hand, um, after nearly thirty games, you know, it shows how well we've done really. And um, I suppose, I suppose we probably didn't think it would have gone as well as it has. But we always had the belief that you know, if we take a game by game, we'll see what happens. And you know, the manager is a is a huge driving force behind that. And you know, he's he's an unbelievable manager, and he gets he gets the best out of us week in week out, day in day out. And you know, he's he's got a huge part to play.
0: What's Chris Walder like as as a person? He seems he seems like a good lad.
1: Ah, uh, he's he's brilliant. Um, you know he's for me personally he's been unbelievable. Um, he's been the biggest influence on my professional career so far. Um, you know the faith he put in me from day one when I came to the club. You know even after the first couple of games where we lost and you know I probably didn't play play that well. You know he stood by me and he just said you know keep it going. You know I've got a lot of you know I think highly of you and wouldn't have brought you here otherwise and stuff and my game has just gone from strength to strength um under him, himself and Alan nil the the assistant manager and I think this year now as well it's even it's even kicked on another gear and um as a manager he, he gets the best out of you every day you know if, if you're having an off day and training if someone isn't running around you know whistle goes you're into the into the center circle and you know it's uh a bit of a telling off, like get get your act together, lads. If we don't do it today, then we won't do it Saturday. And you know, you, you, it shines true on a on a weekend. Um, every game we're in, we're in practically every game. You know, we've got a chance of, of getting a result, and it's because we just kind of we work hard. And you know, we that that all stems from the work we do in the training room with the manager and the coaches. So um, yeah, to to come up from a championship and and, and do what we're doing is tough. Um, you know, if you look at Villa and Norwich. It, they they've kind of you know come up and you know they're in a relegation battle all year, and everyone thought you know that we were odds on to go down, and we'd be down there with them, and for us to come up and kind of eclipse the kind of relegation battle and then be pushing for Europe, um you know just shows how how well we have them. So you you have to put it into perspective, like it, it's a really tough league, and it's probably the hardest league in the world. So um you know yeah we're we're, we're very happy with what we're doing, but uh no doubt uh, we we all want more because that's the way we are, and that's the way the manager is.
0: Well, I think that shows as well, because you look at, um, you mentioned Didsy already, um, you know, it's obviously well documented. He didn't have a club. Uh, he came in, he ended up getting player of the year. Um, he's been. He's now Ireland's um, main striker, I suppose you could say. Well, he has been for the campaign. Um, and then obviously yourself and the, um, Colin Robinson to a degree as well. Um, you've all been a, a, a big part of this campaign. And obviously with Sheffield United, you know, now you seem to be because these are all there together. I know Callum's just gone on loan to West Brom, but you seem to uh, be the, the biggest part of the team now. When people look at the Irish team, they go, "Oh, well, the lads playing for Sheffield United—they're they're fifth. They have to be in the squad." That's what the way I think most fans look at um, Sheffield United now, which is credit to yourselves.
1: Ah, uh, well, it's good to you know, it's good to be doing well. Um... And for for the Ireland team, it's good to have you know four players um playing in the Premier League first and foremost. Um, obviously with the same team is brilliant, but you know the fact that we got promoted and we're exposed to a higher level is only going to bring us on as players. Um, so it's brilliant, and it's the more Irish players we we kind of have playing in the Premier League is it's fantastic for the for the the Ireland team. So, yeah, it's... First and foremost, you know it's 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 your kind of it's your day in day out bread and butter to to do well for your club and you know then hopefully things things will follow with the Ireland team because you know you only meet up a few times a year but you know if you can get your head down and and do well at club level then you know that that recognition tends to follow.
0: Yeah, um, the the thing about uh, the Ireland team is you always seem to have a a very good connection like all the lads seem to get on very well. Now obviously I'm not in the camp to know that, but from seniors around whatever talk to me a bit about your bromance with uh Ender stevens and how that came about uh,
1: yeah sure obviously the the sheffield united connection but i always get on well to be fair the couple of squads i was in with him before i went to sheffield united but now um the last good few camps i think most of this campaign we've been rooming together Um so it's funny it's uh He's good crack. He's uh, we complement each other well. I'd say, um, but yeah, we've uh, we've good banter. And to be fair, in Sheffield, we we meet up a lot for coffee and stuff after training as well. So spend a good good bit of time together. Um, but yeah, it's good. I think you know we've we've a really close team with the Ireland team as well. And you know all the lads are sound out, and uh, it's 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 an enjoyable kind of environment to be in. Um, you know you got a few jokers, and you know I've, it's it's good crack.
0: Yeah, because it, it, and I, I think as well, um, having that with yourself, and end obviously playing at Ireland obviously helps them as well. Playing a club being so good friends, boys, you know, on on the pitch that'll help us as well
1: going forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'm 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 lucky to be a part of a club team, Sheffield United, where it's like that, where it's you know really close knit and kind of sense a sense of pride about who you're playing for and. You know, it goes without saying being with Ireland is, is the proudest thing ever for any Irishman and you can see that when you meet up, you know, all the boys are just buzzing to, to be together and the crack is the crack is good and you know, on the pitch the work is tough and training we train hard and then it comes to a game, you know, and everyone's gone out there willing to do anything to win the game. So um yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky to be part of two great squads at the moment and uh, it's it's it always helps when you're tightening it off the pitch. Um, you know, it always helps on the pitch.
0: Yeah, well, just um, what I have you here, I'll be interested to know because obviously this is your first year in the Premier League. But who's the toughest uh, person you've
1: came up against this season? Um, I suppose De Bruyne or Mane. It's uh, different players, like, but they're probably the two I've been most, most, um, most impressive. impressed with as a striker. Yeah, most impressive. As a striker, I'd say the fella from Wolves was good. Um, Roll him Jimenez. Jimenez. He was, yeah, he was handy. Um, but I'd say probably overall player, probably De Bruyne or Mane, one of them. They were. Uh, to be honest, you could name a lot of players like this. You got. Yeah, with other players. I think the, I think the well, two you
0: mentioned there. Yeah. Yeah, the elite at the moment, anyway. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right, well, I just want to finish off with two fine questions, and I'll, I'll let you go, because I've kept you for an o- over an hour, so I appreciate your time. Um, no, you're all right, but time flies, lad. Hi, my name is Reese. I'm six years old, I'm from Waterford, and I'm a big fan of the Warriors. And my two questions are, what two players would you like to self-isolate with, and... What should what do
1: you think should your FIFA 21 rating be? Thanks, thanks, John. Hi, Reese. Um, thanks a lot for your message, pal. Uh, I'm going to answer your questions now. The first one, the two two players I'd like to self isolate. Um, I'll probably go for end as number one because when we're away with ireland we're we're like we're in self-isolation anyway in the hotel um so i'll go with him as number one and i'll say jack burn number two because he comes down to our room quite a bit uh for a bit of banter um, <laughs> and the banter is the banter is usually good with uh with jack around so um yeah i'll have to say them two dubs uh him and then jack
0: do you have any funny stories of them two that are uh able to be on air?
1: I don't think so.
0: <laughs> okay, no hassle.
1: No, Jack is uh Jack is some man for a joke, like his joke's unbelievable. Uh, he's, a, he's a good man. Oh, man. Very good man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh so Reese's second question was uh, what do you think your FIFA twenty one
1: um rating should be? Mm, I think mm, FIFA 21 rating, I'd say, um, I'd take a 99 if they offer it to me, like, uh, <laughs> but, uh I'd say I'll be customizing that one. But no, I think, I think I'm around the 70s now. 70, I don't know what I'm 77, doing, I take, think. Um, 77, is it? So I'd, I'd take I a 78, so. but if I, if I can nick into an 80, I'd be buzzing with that. So, hey, um, it might as well um, round it off, know, John. Uh, you may as well round, round up. I'll round up to eighty. Hopefully, you can n- nick an eighty next year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there you are, Reece. That's your question answered. Now, Reece is only six years yeah. old, but apparently, he's a huge fan of yours. Uh, thanks a lot, Reece. Good man. Um, and secondly, then... Uh... Right, John, who are your favourite centre-backs of all time, favourite Irish centre-backs of all time, and favourite Premier League centre-backs of all time? Also, please join Arsenal.
1: Thanks for your message and your questions. Uh suppose two Irish centre halves I'll pick I'll probably go with Paul McGrath, number one because I was kinda of rare getting told about Paul McGrath you know how good he was and you know, trying to watch old clips and stuff of him. Um yeah, so I'll probably have to have to say him number one. And then kinda of my childhood, um and kinda of growing up Richard Dunn was um was a brick wall, so yeah. I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, them two are probably the two that, um, you know, stick out in my mind. Uh, Richard Dunn and, and Paul McGrath.
0: They actually got into our all-time eleven, and we got a bit of stick they? for them. But I'm glad, cl- I'm glad you, I'm glad you chose them anyway. But uh, I think he wants yeah. to know your, your Premier League or, yeah, Premier League centre backs then
1: of all time. Premier League. Um, I'd have to say, Nemanja the number one. Uh. He was uh he was unbelievable for United. and I supported United growing up and stuff. So yeah, he's he's got to go in as number one and um, number two. John Terry, great player, you know, great centre half. Um, I was gonna, I was thinking that, in my head, you were
0: gonna say J T yeah. because you be a play kind of similar to him.
1: From when I was younger, yeah. To be fair, um jeez, if I half as good as career as him, you'd be you take it like how many Premier Leagues and stuff as he won. But not them two, John Terry and Vidic. I'd have watched a lot of um, you know, growing up and when I kind of moved to England, just watching clips and stuff. So yeah, I'd probably say them two for my uh for my Premier League centre backs and Richard Dunn and Paul McGrath for you know the two two Irish centre backs.
0: Yeah, they would, would wouldn't I wouldn't do too badly with them four in the in defence. Uh, even if had uh, nah, two was I, subs.
1: No, you wouldn't be conceding many goals in there.
0: No, um, he also asked if you'd join Arsenal, but I don't think uh you want to be doing that right now.
1: <laughs> nah, I'll be joining my uh, I'll be joining my PlayStation then on a minute for a game of FIFA It's uh, isolation. All right.
0: Well, that has to be done. I have to go play the uh road to glory final against Spain so hopefully you uh, do me justice yeah. and get me a clean sheet um, huge thanks for coming on John uh, really appreciate your time and uh, it's been a great chat um, just wanted to say to anyone who's watching that may, may be new to the channel or whatever drop a like uh, drop a subscribe leave your comments uh, leave your thoughts sorry in the comments and uh, as I said huge thanks to John for, for coming on uh, absolute pleasure top
1: man Paul thanks a million boy.
0: No, Irish Football Fan TV is now available on all podcast platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts and every other place where you get your podcasts. Check out the link in the description for more.